Hi, and welcome to the Wanky Wednesday podcast with me, your host, James Wheeler, the fitness in mind coach. So, for those of you that are new and joining us today and not quite sure what a Wanky Wednesday is, it's basically a day where we get to self-reflect upon a previous week, look forward to week coming, and just basically appreciate being human for at least just one day. And today's episode, we are going to talk about how not to act the stat. Now, what do I mean by that? Basically, if we were to see a stat, we tend to point our mindset towards the most favorable part of that stat. And that might not necessarily reflect what our sort of inner alignment as such uh, is. And it doesn't necessarily reflect our our characteristics and we tend to make or force ourselves to readapt and change who we are to fit this criteria just purely by looking at a stat and um, seeing there's one side more favorable than the other and it may not reflect what we internally believe. So what I'm gonna do um, in this podcast episode is we're gonna talk about stats of uh, combed through the world wide web as such and found stats that um, I either didn't know or were quite interesting to me and we're going to break them down and talk about how this affects us and how we would tend to look at it favourable, how we would change our um, attitude towards it and also generally break them down and explain what each of them really mean in hopes that next time you read or look at a stat you take a step back and you look and see um, what it is um, that it's actually trying to say and, and you see it for what uh, the value in which it has to you and not necessarily um, what it's trying to get across because nine times out of ten another stat for you um, when people put a stat out there, it's normally to scare you towards the favorable percentage. It's to say you're not in this favorable percentage, um, you should be. Um, and also how uh, all this is really not very healthy and how you guys can go about um, sort of living to your favorable stat. Okay, so we're gonna start with one that is really obvious to see where one they're going with this and two how flawed this day is so this one you take with a pinch of salt tongue-in-cheek however you want to it's a bit of fun this one we'll start with so between 43 and 54 percent of pilots admit to falling asleep whilst flying okay so the first thing i see wrong is is it 43 is it 54 are you meeting in the middle what percentage like how many pilots did they talk to and is it really detrimental that they fall asleep are they talking about while they're in complete control of the aircraft is it like i don't understand how an aircraft is flown i understand the physics of it um i've actually been uh trained to understand the physics of it believe it or not not that i use it and but i don't understand how it's like flown so do you need two people to fly at the same time all of this is there to sort of install this sort of wow factor 
maybe a bit of like a little bit of anxiety but in the end all that's going to do is cause the people that already have a fear of flying to make them feel worse that's that does do nothing in terms of favorable results other than to entertain that is like a nonsensical fact and that's even if it is a fact okay so the next one we're going to step it up a little bit more so this one is 75 percent of women in america admit to peeing in the shower so the first thing i see there is admitted to being in the shower obviously you're not going to get everyone that took the survey to admit whether they're going to pee in the shower or not um i'm sure uh, there is plenty of people that pee in the shower in fact I read a stat the other day, again, that recommends that you should pee in the shower because it saves tons and tons and tons of water. But what we're looking at here is 75% of women that was asked during this questionnaire admitted it. So that doesn't mean that it's not more than 75%. It could mean that it's less than 75%. Depends on how honest the people are answering there questionnaires so again it's something that is there um, as a bit of fun and to not be taken too seriously okay swiftly moving on because um, I do want to get through these stats uh, looking back on them I've realized they're quite interesting and the hidden uh, message between them is quite important so the next one is 69% of children between the ages of two and five can use a mouse, a computer mouse, but can't tie their shoelaces. Okay, so again, this one is to sort of shock us into saying sort of how appalling our community is, like uh, the way we bring children up, we're too tech focused, and that's exactly where it came from. A document that basically said that we're too tech focused and that we should be teaching our children fundamentals. Well, I'll tell you straight off the bat, 69% of children between two and five. One, how many uh, children? Two, what was the proportion of children in which they were questioning? And is it even viable that some of these uh, children tie their shoelaces? Like for one, my two-year-old son going on three, so that's two um, age groups there. He wears Velcro shoes. There's no need for him to know how to tie his shoelaces yet but part of his routine um, although it's not a major part is using an ipad he'll navigate the screens of an ipad i couldn't do that as a child there was no ipads when i was a child but does that mean that one he's we're failing at parents or that he's um sort of a lesser child no in fact i think he's more advanced in terms of tech than i ever was at his age and he will probably surpass me uh one day in in the technology front anyway and when the time is right i would teach him how to tie his shoes now if the stat said 69 percent of five-year-olds didn't know how to tie their shoes um compared to using a computer mouse then yes i think it might be something that we need to look at and again look at the stat in a deeper meaning but is that really important to tie your shoes? I'm sure there's a lot of grown-ups that don't know how to tie their shoes. It does not mean that they are a lesser person and can 
like give the community um, less because they can't tie their shoes. So this one again is to scaremonger us, but I think we would get wrapped too much wrapped in the sort of context here and really break it down and, and admit to ourselves does this stat even matter okay so this next stat um shocked me if it was real i'm sure there'll be some truth behind it but it also sort of upset me in terms of how we're failing um the system and community so basically a study was done in arizona university i believe um, and it said that one in six women that attended that university would much rather be blind than fat. Now, straight off the bat, that pains me because I know some of the blind community and I think to even consider this and ask the question in the first place is an absolute disgrace. Um, but also the fact that these women are have this sort of mentality that being fat is irreversible and that it would be more detrimental to their way of living than being blind and it just goes to show that um, the sort of system and the education around us and how important it is to for someone than to look good is more important than to be able to look and see so they would much rather not be able to see and appreciate other people and look good themselves and have other people see them as looking good than being able to appreciate like what it is like and other forms of beauty um, in the world so I just wanted to share that stat with you more than anything and it's quite upsetting but again it's something not to look too deep into but the fact that this actually was brought up somewhere in this world is quite sad really and uh, another stat that's based around the value of education more than sort of finger pointing and, and shaming which is stat does um, before I read it this that is there to shame um, which is sad really rather than to reinforce the um, uneducated so the stat is 10% of parents in America believe that cola or however other brand drink um, based counts as fruit and towards your um, father day so and and a subcontext of this they also believe that fruit flavored um, sweets etc also counted towards your daily portion well start off with yes we can start pointing fingers and say that it should be common knowledge and it's common sense and all this but common sense always spurns from fact or from a sense that you've been told something and it is common knowledge if it's not common knowledge and the education system has failed these people um then they shouldn't be shamed for it for starters coke boasts it's a fruit flavored um drink soft drink and also when you have like sweets and candy and stuff that have real fruit in it if 
this the sort of system and the government explains what it is out of the fruit that is more important than it being fruit or or veg and get this educated especially at an early age then maybe these shortfalls won't be in an issue so if you're telling people right it's the it's the fiber and it's the vitamins and etc out of these that is more important than the actual flavor and the taste of it and all the fact that it's, it's a fruit or it's a veg then I think we won't have any sort of misconceptions and I know there's a running joke my my mother will joke as well that a Cadbury's fruit and nut bar will be one of her five a day because it's got fruit in it and even then that's probably more closer to the truth than sadly the soft drinks but it still is that I'm not saying that she's lack of educated but just the joking of it alone it says that the government doesn't really explain too much as to what is the nutritional value of this fruit and veg that we are consuming actually means and and i know that talking to clients in the past that eating disorders have been made worse due to this sort of lack of education and generally trying to just medicate or do some sort of clinical intervention instead of education and i'm sorry i just went a bit off track there but i just thought it was just frustrating and again, is a stat, and I know the whole point in this was to tell you not to get frustrated and wrapped up in stats, but the fact that, again, this came up and someone thought it was necessary to highlight this in some form of, like, document or headline means that this is actually an issue that's arisen. Whether the actual stat data is correct, it's still a common perception that's arisen. Okay, so that brings me to my last two stats. I'm, I'm going to leave one towards the end because it's it's quite important. So I'm going to just sort of finish this segment with this one because I think that there is keywords and elements in this sort of stat that basically brings home everything that I'm going to try and explain to you guys and sort of wraps this, this little part of, of the podcast up really. So here it is. 94% of Americans fail to exercise for 30 minutes a day. Okay, let's break that down. So 94% of Americans, that's a lot of Americans, fail. So they've automatically done something wrong before you've read the rest of the stat. 94% of Americans failed at something to exercise. So they've just used a generic term of exercise. They're not defined the intensity of the exercise at all. And then they've said for 30 minutes, which is fair enough, a day. Okay, so the intensity is not mentioned. They've obviously said the length in which they have to exercise. And then they've said a day. So is that? I'm assuming that's across seven days. So 94% of Americans have fouled themselves by not exercising this unknown level of intensity for 30 minutes across seven days. So consistently throughout their life, they have not exercised for 30 minutes a day. Okay, so next one is, the sorry, the next point is how many of us has exercised for 30 minutes every single day of our life? And what period in which this is comparing it? So I don't, I know for a fact I don't exercise seven days a week. Um, and there's points where I don't exercise at all for weeks. Sometimes I have a very busy schedule and Ironically, when you're running sort of businesses in the, the fitness industry, it's the, it's the last thing you want to do because you're devoting your time to elsewhere. And 
94% of Americans, have they really got, that's a lot, have they really got everyone? And to use the word failed as well. I hope this person that wrote this stat and researched it was in that 94% and they sort of, it was bittersweet for them to sort of draw attention to that. To go and shame sort of 94% of a country and that's what it's doing, it's shaming them by stating, stating that to not exercise for 30 minutes a day is a failure is the reason why we struggle to grasp um, the context of being ourselves because we're put in these bubbles and we're told that if you do not conform within this stat, you have failed. If you do not fit within these nicely formed words, then you have failed. If you are not an individual in your own right, then you have failed. If you do not fit within the masses, then you are not welcome. When we put stats like this together, we subconsciously think, right, I don't want to be part of the 94% of fails. I want to be part of the 6% that is successful. But is that realistic? And now, reading that stat, you're going to exercise 30 minutes a day religiously, regardless of what that does for your health. And yes, there's stats again to say that doing this for 30 minutes is good for your health, but read into them. Doing 30 minutes, that so the World Health Organization actually say that your 30 minutes can be broken up across the day as well. It doesn't need to be 30 minutes in one sitting, as well as a level of intensity is, I think, mild to moderate level of intensity or you can do 45 minutes of another intensity a couple of times a week and you still fit within a certain criteria but it doesn't say if you do not achieve this you are a failure and it's when we read stats like this we put so much pressure on ourselves to conform that we forget our individuality our lifestyle um and we're not using like just that 30 minutes it could be anything it's like it could be something like 80% of people that walk their dog in the morning have found out that they're more successful in life well what about the other and by the way that's a made up stat so if it sounds good that's completely made up what about the other sort of 13% of people who are still successful that don't walk their dog in the morning you forget about those percentage of people you're drawn to the 87% of people that walk their dog in the morning because they're, they're more likely to succeed. But you're also saying that for the other 13%, they're not successful because they when they walk their dog in the morning, they don't succeed. Or they could be that the fact that they don't walk their dog in the morning at all, they walk it at night and they still succeed. So 100% of those people could be successful, but you only know about the 87% because that's the glamorous stat that I want you um, to know about. I don't want you to care about being yourself, being an individual. I want you to walk your dog in the morning and then there's gonna be some hidden agenda about dog treats or some other weird combination of how this stat works to scare you into doing something that I want you to do and to take you away from being 
the small percentage of people that might walk your dog in the evening to convert you into walking your dog in the morning. So hopefully that breaking down these stats into um, what they actually mean is sort of give you a little bit of insight of how not to take stats for face value and how to really sort of understand that you don't need to conform within these figures to, to be successful, to be beautiful, to be famous, to be whatever you need to be. You do not need to conform to any sort of stat figure. The reason that most people are who they are because of their individuality and their sort of authentic and uniqueness and the systems in which they have in place in life get them to uh, where they need to be and where they want to be. But I want to finish off um, in the spirit of a uh, mental health awareness week here in the uk with the ultimate stat and really we all should know that stat now is the one in four people um, have had or will uh, suffer from some form of mental ill health at some point in their life now let's break this ultimately down because it is one of my biggest bugbears one in four people will um, have some form of mental ill health at some point in their life is an absolute shambles because where has this data come from it's come from people who have declared their mental health and cross-reference with a census no doubt of people um, that either won't or haven't declared their mental health and it's so important that we understand and we definitely don't get in this habit of I will be in that um, three of the four so I'm less likely to and sort of let our guards down because quite frankly you guys everyone will 100% everyone will suffer from some form of mental ill health at one point in their life and we won't even know it or we won't admit it but the stat should really read that one in four people who suffer from mental ill health at some point in their life declare it or have given some indication where it can be recorded and processed because I had social anxiety up to the point that I discovered it and beyond but I never declared anything um, on any form of paper that I had any form of mental health until later on in life but I've had it all my life but also it wasn't until I, I had bouts of depression and I went to the doctors was there any sort of medical record of it. And there's going to be plenty of people that slip through the radar um, that are like me who are living with it more severely or have had bouts of it who there's no record in history to prove that they've had it. So this statistic is um, a little bit damaging in itself because it, it makes us believe, like I've explained with all the other statistics, that there is a possibility that you could be um, a part of the three of the four when really we should be all looking after our physical and our mental health and being prepared and having all of our systems in place and just making sure that there is no reason for us in the future to ever need to declare our sort of mental ill health because we are strong enough uh, to 
sort of pull ourselves out of these ruts and I understand that there's going to be plenty of people that are unable to do that on their own so they will need to do that there's nothing wrong with that I have a, a great group of friends and extremely um, people that are extremely close to me all that suffer from mental ill health on a, on a regular basis and there is no shame of it there's no shame in medication there's no shame in therapy um, there's no shame in holistic therapies uh, there's no shame in seeing the doctor or being in a resource centre or possibly needing a section in all the the most important thing is that we just help each other destroy this stigma of that mental health is something bad and that you should be part of the elite and not part of the 1% uh, or the, the 1 in 4 25% as such that will suffer and get recorded so I'm just going to end it there it's a bit of a ramble, it's a bit of a passion of mine um, that it just infuriates me that we, we spat about this one in four stat, this one in three stat with Ben and suicide and other things. And I think, especially with the, with the mental health side of it, I, I don't believe, I think that everyone's going to suffer from it. Whether it's mild or not, we all need to be looking after our, our mental health. So we've gone a little bit longer on this podcast about a couple of minutes hopefully you guys are still here listening and i really appreciate it if you are uh, let me know like share comment all that palaver give me some feedback let me know how it's going and next week we will be talking about my discovery as a parent about what it changed my perception of things and how my prejudice got in the way pre uh, Finley to after Finley and not just as being a, pre- um, a parent but me as a person as well there was some prejudices there that I didn't quite understand and noticed before until I was a parent and how you can use that uh, sort of point of view in your own life for any sort of prejudices or self-discovery okay so thank you again for joining me and I will see you again soon